Hello friends and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem-solving, decision-making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoint, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take our program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that we start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. You know, the year 2021 was really supposed to be the year that everything went back to normal. And of course, it really didn't. You know, as we're winding down the year, most of us realize now, and we'll date the podcast, you know, we're right around Thanksgiving 2021. There's a new variant now, Omicron. So you're going to hear everybody talking about Omicron. I don't think a lot of people know that's actually a Greek letter. But hey, you learned something new already, didn't you? The other thing that's happening now, though, is a lot of people are thinking about making the transition from employee to entrepreneur, especially since we're getting ready to start a new year. And while it seems like a great idea and so many people are doing the great resignation, there's a lot that you need to know. My guest today is my good friend, Tracy Davison. Now, Tracy is a coach, she's a business consultant, and she walks alongside people who are making this journey from employee to entrepreneur. Tracy's done it, Tracy's made mistakes, Tracy's had failure, and Tracy is still standing and she's doing great today. I cannot think of a better person to talk to you today about how to make this transition. Tracy's going to tell you about her journey, which for some of you, you're going to think, wow, she's overcome a lot. And yes, she has. But that also means you can do the very same thing. She's an inspiration. So glad to have her on the show today. Let's quit talking about Tracy. Let's go ahead and talk to her. You know what time it is. Let's make sure that personal items under the seat in front of you. Make sure your seatbelt is fastened low across your hips. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Tracy Davison, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mac. So glad to be here. Great to have you. I had you, I believe, on the old Boss Builder podcast we did a few years ago. We've since uh, stop using that when we've combined our audiences into HR Oxygen. So for the HR crowd, this may be the first time that they get to meet you. And that's good. It's important that they get to meet you. Tracy, you and I have known each other for a few years now, and you've actually done a little bit of work with us uh, for clients. We had the one in California, and then we had uh, up in Connecticut. So mm -hmm. we've done some work together, and you've been kind of a adjunct to us. But you're doing a lot of interesting things now, and that's really what we want to talk about today. So You've got a great story to share, uh, but I want to talk about the story before the story, the story that took place in July of 2020. So tell us about your background, and then we'll talk about what happened on that day in July. 
Okay, sure. So my background is from the time I was five years old, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I was playing school with my little brothers at the kitchen table for as long as I can remember. I became a high school Spanish teacher, did that for about 10 years, absolutely loved it. Uh, moved, was encouraged to move onward and upward up the career ladder and became a high school principal for another 10 years, which is something I really enjoyed and, and uh, together was able to get some really good results for kids. Uh, and then, of course, was encouraged to move up the next rung on the ladder and become a, uh, became a uh, superintendent of schools in central New York. So that is my former life, 20, 25 years total in education, everything from substitute teacher to superintendent and almost everything along the way. Okay. So when you were the high school principal, what actually happens when someone gets sent to the principal's office? <laughs> well, because I've never had to do that. Obviously, I was a, you know, a wonderful compliance student. So but for the listeners who were not, what happens? <laughs> right. Mac, I think I just saw your nose grow an inch or two. <laughs> Maybe not. Vision is a thing for me right now. But Well, for me as high school, I mean, what happened in my office as principal is probably different from what happened in other people's offices. But in my office, my goal was always to uh, connect on a personal level, whether I was meeting with a parent, a teacher, a teacher's union member or a student. Uh, I wanted to establish rapport and, you know, and, and that was for me coming from a, a genuine place of wanting to know the person because no one's going to work with you if they don't think you give a crap about them, quite frankly. So, um, yeah, my, my goal was to listen, learn about the person, um, ask them about why they were there, present the facts that I had been given. And um, a lot of times I would, I would ask the person I was working with, you know, what, what, how do you think we should resolve this? Nine times out of 10, they would come up with a solution. Sometimes I had to redirect that solution a little bit because it wasn't, didn't always, sometimes it was the, the consequence was too hefty for the offense. And sometimes it wasn't enough, but most of the time it was spot on. Okay. So. Were you, uh, and I don't know, cause you're only in your, 30s so you would not have been around for when corporal punishment was the norm i actually got spanked in second grade by the principal so were you ever around when corporal punishment was actually a thing yes i certainly was and i am I would love to be in my 30s again but as a 50 year old uh person i can remember being in first grade and um little school friend got the paddle by the teacher and he promptly uh urinated under her desk after after that so wow. <laughs> poor little guy it was i i is very traumatic for for him i'm sure but uh anyway um as an adult i taught at a private school in texas back in the early 90s and corporal punishment was a thing there and the principal was about as big as my thigh she was just this little tiny lady and she um yeah she i heard her giving giving the paddle to to a, a little little student and it broke my heart i did not like that yeah and, yeah. yeah well it didn't feel good to get your ass whipped with a paddle either but you know <laughs> it's funny how things have changed over the years you know so for sure yeah it's funny actually you know so you know we're both um residents of tennessee but you know adrian peterson who just got waved by the titans 
you know, I don't know if you remember, that's what derailed him from his career with Minnesota is he was spanking his kids in a parking lot somewhere. And mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. led to, you know, where he kind of had a little career adjustment. But uh, yeah, yeah, so definitely not the norm, definitely not in schools anymore. And so so you did say you quit teaching because there was no more paddling? No, no. maybe I okay. I guess I didn't hear that. <laughs> well, so you've had a really, uh, I guess, up until a few years ago, a pretty programmed career where you knew exactly what was going to be happening. And then you decided that you were going to, I don't want to use the word pivot because pivot's been overused. But if we were saying pivot, we would say pivot now because you've definitely pivoted. Even though I hate the word pivot, you have pivoted. So let's pick up the story in July of 2020. Okay. Uh, yeah, I certainly did take a hard left from public education um, in 2016. And I moved from central New York to Nashville, Tennessee to really take a little bit of time to just regroup and figure out what I really wanted to do with the next chapter of my life. I, I did not follow the normal path of you know, staying with uh, public education in New York for 30 years, like almost everyone else does for very good reason. It's a phenomenal uh, retirement plan, but I had a different perspective. As you know, I was a widow and uh, my daughter was living in Georgia about to have her first baby. So yeah, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee and, and took some time to just decide what I wanted to do. And um, I wanted to leave public education so I could have a bigger reach and really get back to teaching and get away from what I felt were a lot of just crazy politics. Um, so bringing us to the parking lot conversation in July of 2020, I called you, Mac, because I was at a I was at a real crossroads in my life as a coach, consultant, entrepreneur. And I needed I needed some I needed some other a fresh perspective and I knew I knew I could call you and you could shoot and you would shoot me straight but yeah I was deciding whether I wanted to continue with uh, my down my path as an entrepreneur as a business owner or just say I can't do this throw the towel in and go back to quote security and safety and go back to school administration in New York yeah. and uh, yeah so. So, so you made a pretty powerful decision that day. And, you know, and, you know, let's not forget you were in the parking lot because you needed Wi-Fi and you're basically in your car, your office, I guess, at the time. And so, yeah, you made the decision to come back. And uh, and then when you came back, you sort of came back to a situation where you didn't really even have a place to stay. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So the reason why, because your listeners are probably trying to figure out what was going on with why was I in a parking, a subway parking lot. I was in a, par a subway parking lot because I was in a uh, relationship that I had just realized was not going to work out. And I needed to talk to someone um, without being in the same home as the person I was with. So you and I hopped on a Zoom and uh, the, after our call, the decision I made was that I was not going to go back to the security of a job that I knew I would be miserable in. And I had decided that I was going to come back home here in that to Nashville, Tennessee and get my business up and running quick, fast and in a hurry. And that's that's exactly what I did. I packed up my Toyota Highlander with all of my stuff. I sold what I could. I put my dog in my car 
I uh, got a hitch on my on my Highlander and and got a four by eight U-Haul trailer, packed everything I could inside of that. And I came back to Nashville, had dinner with a girlfriend who is another tremendous person in my circle. My plan was to actually go through Nashville. My original plan was to go through Nashville and go down to Florida and just stay at my dad's for a little while and, and get warm on the beach and uh, regroup. My friend said, no, you're not going to do that. Your network is here. Your friends are here. People you've done business with are here. Please don't don't go to Florida. Stay in my townhouse as long as you need to have all the peace and quiet you need and, and get yourself together, get your business up and running again. And that's exactly what I did. I, I um, moved into her townhouse. So I was technically homeless, moved into her townhouse. I had $3,000 to my name. I moved in on July 25th and the following week on August 3rd, I had launched a goal sisters five day challenge in which I had 75 women enrolled from all around the United States. I launched that challenge. It was uh, you know, goal setting and you know, let's get your act together because I knew I needed it. And if I had other people counting on me, I knew I would show up every day for them. If I couldn't show up for myself, I would show up for them. I made $6,000 off that challenge, then had an upsell to another offer. Two weeks later, I launched a second challenge, had another 70-ish women in that challenge, um, earned another 6,000 from that and made enough money to get myself an apartment. Um, and it's hard to believe it's been, it's been over a year now. I actually have furniture in my apartment. I have a, a business that is thriving and yeah, the, the highway to hell to get here has definitely had its pit stops. Yeah. But you are in such a great place now. And I think that was the reason, you know, we we kind of stay in touch here and there, but that was the real inspiration. I thought, wow, because, you know, having been on the other side of that phone call, just listening and, you know, thinking, wow, I mean, she's in a really tough place. And then hearing, OK, I'm I'm going to stay in Nashville. I found a place to live. I mean, you didn't survive, you actually thrived. And, you know, the person who's listening to this today, if they're like most Americans or wherever you're listening, I imagine it's the same anywhere in the world, you know, waiting for the perfect opportunity to start the business, is is that perfect day ever gonna be here, Tracy? No, it's never gonna be here. And no one's gonna come and rescue you. You have to, you have to, you know, stick your stake in the ground and say, this is what I'm going to do even if you're taking little tiny baby steps every single day to get there. You know, if you're that person who's in a, an unsatisfied job, then, you know, get, get in your comfy clothes, you know, grab a cup of a mug of coffee or something and a notebook and make a list. You know, what are the things that you can do? What's your, what's your can do list? What does that look like? You know, what problems can you solve? What can you teach others? What have you survived, come through? Um, what skills have you learned? Make the make a list of all the things that you you can do. I mean, that's that's a great step. Or you know, make a list of with four columns on a sheet of paper. What's going right in my life? What's going wrong? What's going wrong? What's confused and what's missing? Or make a two column list. What do I want more of in my life? What do I want less of in my life? But start, you know, start envisioning that life that you really want for yourself. 
Um, another great strategy that I just heard the other day on a podcast is, you know, if you think about your life six months from now, and this is a great time to be asking ourselves this question as we wrap up 2021, what do you want your life to look like six months from now in, in the areas of, you know, your fitness or health and your finances, your career, your a business you might want to start, relationships, uh, schedule, what do you want your vacation, your free time? What do you want it to look like? And don't judge yourself on your answers before you even have a chance to get those things down on paper. I think we're so we we want to stay in our safe zone. We want to talk ourselves out of thinking big and and creating a life that we actually are excited about. And you know, there's no reason for that. Unfortunately, we've learned some of those things, but. Well, I, I just wonder because it, we keep hearing, I hear about it every night on the news, the great resignation. You know, everybody suddenly realizes, okay, COVID has made me take a different look at my life and my path. And, and now people are all leaving work. And obviously they have to go do something because, you know, just because the workers at, you know, Chase Bank decide they're going to find themselves doesn't mean Chase Bank's not still collected on its debts. So everybody's going to have bills coming in. But why do you suppose everybody is choosing now to say, I'm done with the old, I want to do something new and are making a bold statement by just resigning? Why do you suppose that's that's happening today? Such a good question, Mac. I think I think some people are jumping on the bandwagon like, oh, this sounds good. I'm going to do it, too. And then they're caught with their pants down because you know, they made a bad decision. And like you said, those bills are coming in and they didn't have a plan. I used to belong to an organization, a coaching organization. Uh, and one of the things that they would say is just jump and build your wings on the way down. And that sounds so aspirational, but that's not a good plan. That's, that's terrible advice. In my opinion, <laughs> I would never say that to anyone. What I would say is you know, set an exit date for yourself and build up a, you know, build up a, a reserve that can get you by financially between now and then. Make a plan for what you're going to do differently and test it. And there are obviously ways to do that, but we need to make sure there's a need for what you want to do. Put some numbers to it, numbers in terms of how much money could I make with this new endeavor? What's it going to cost me? What what other costs are there in terms of what do I need to learn? What skills do I need to learn? When I when I came in, went into business for myself, you know, I was tripped up on little things like how am I gonna how am I gonna take payment? Uh, what's a W nine? I don't know what that is. How do I how do I claim these business expenses? Um, how much do I charge? What am I going to actually sell? There are so many questions. Certainly uh, working for yourself and starting your own business is not all glamour. It's not always glamorous. It's it's not a, I'm just going to have a four-day work week and it's going to magically happen. It requires a lot of planning, intention, um, discipline, being really, really real with yourself and being brutally honest, you know, about how you're spending your time, how you're spending your money. Um why you're doing the things you're doing, really. And those are the reality checks I have to have with myself every day. Well, I don't know. I find that hard to believe because, I mean, you're interviewing with me, drinking whiskey out of a coffee cup. I think that's, or is that tea you're drinking? It's actually hot water with lemon. Is it? Okay. Hot water with lemon and a little jack on the top of it. And, you know, you show me you're wearing your slippers. I mean, is this what you do all day, Tracy? You just 
philosophize about life and drink tea? Or is there more to running a business? Because I mean, honestly, I can look and say, but I really want to do what Tracy's doing because it looks a hell of a lot easier than what I do. Is it really that easy? Absolutely not. And that's why most people don't succeed in, in business for themselves. Um, you know, I, if you take a blank sheet of paper and you think about the business you want to create and, and draw a bunch of circles at the top of that paper, and those are really like faces, you know, those are like your board of, you know, who are the key people you need um, in this business you want to create? You need a CEO, right? You need someone to handle technology. You need someone for sales. You need someone for marketing. You need someone for the administrative work, you know, think of all the roles that you need for that business. And as you're starting out, your face, your face is in every single one of those, right? Until you can outsource, um, until you can outsource those, those things. But yeah, it's a lot of hard work. It's definitely not a 40 hour week. There is no work-life balance in, in my opinion. It is a, it is a lot, it's a hustle and a grind and if it's not waking you up in the middle of the night with ideas and, and, you know, I can't wait for the day to start because I love what I'm doing, then you, you need to go back to the drawing board and, and go and ask yourself, is this really what I want to do? Is this something other people want me to do? Um, if it's not your dream, it, it's not your dream. And, uh, it, the discipline that it requires, the mindset, the skills, the habits, it's always changing and you have to be continually learn, continually learning, um, establishing good boundaries for yourself and for others and learning what works and what doesn't work and not get embarrassed when things go to shit because <laughs> they're going to go to shit. You're going to, you're going to, the rug is going to be pulled out from under you. Sometimes you're going to be like me and be real talented and buy the rug, bring it into your own house and pull it out from under yourself. Over and over again. <laughs> You've got to be able to get back up and be okay with egg on your face and keep moving forward. You know, it's really funny. I was thinking while you were sharing that of when you did that one piece of work for us over in uh, California or a couple of years ago before COVID. And, you know, I had done some contract training for a long time and, you know, I never said, oh, I'm, I'm too sick. I can't go. But a lot of times I would get a call from I was working with American Management Association. They were like, oh, hey, you know, hey, what are you doing today? I said, oh, you know, doing some stuff. Oh, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, I don't know why. Well, can you go to Syracuse and do a workshop because the trainer got sick? I'm like, all right. So, you know, but when I became the AMA, then I thought, okay, well, hey, Tracy, you want to go to California? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. And then, you know, and by the way, if you're listening to this and you've had my talk on ambiguity, you've heard this story. I don't know if you know I've told the story, Tracy, but... You know, that that early morning. Mm -hmm. So you say losing sleep. Yeah, I didn't sleep that whole night. I'm sitting there watching my phone and you're texting me and Tracy, you're going to be OK. I think I'll be OK. And I'm looking at the clock thinking, OK, if I catch a flight at Nashville in two hours, I can be there to start. But Tracy says she thinks she can do it. Like I just was so stressed. And I thought mm -hmm. this is why having a business is a headache. You know, like I thought it'd be great. I just outsourced the training and Tracy did a great job. But what if Tracy gets sick and yet you pulled through and it turned out really, really good. But I'm telling you, that was a stressful night. That's when I realized, wow, being the boss is a scary thing yeah. and running your own business. You're running around without a safety net. And so, you know, for those who are listening, saying, hey, I want to find myself and start a business. 
oh, hell, you're going to find yourself in ways you never knew you could find yourself before. And you may be shocked at what you find when you find yourself. But I think that's the beauty of living in this country is that I think for the majority of us, we, we got there's resources out there that this is certainly an option. We have that option and some freedom to be able to do those things. And you've absolutely capitalized on it. And you've you're doing several different things these days, aren't you? Yes. And, and, you know, the, my journey has where, what I was doing six years ago is completely different from what I'm doing now. Gosh, what I was doing six months ago is, has changed quite a bit. So, you know, and, and just a quick note on, on the, what we were talking about a second ago, I still, despite the, the long hours and despite the stress of being an entrepreneur and business owner, I will take this stress and my leggings and my hot tea and my comfy slippers and being home with my dog working from home. I'll take this stress any day over going back to the stress of my former life as a, you know, six figure CEO in a very secure profession. Mm -hmm. So, well, um, I think the difference too, is that, you know, we at least have the the freedom to deal with it. We're not being dumped by other people and having to play their game to take care of problems. But that means we got nobody else we can rely on, except maybe your network of colleagues and supportive family, whatever. But you're right. It is at least we've got some control over our destiny. And yeah. I think we realize, too, and, and maybe this is the other thing. When you have your own business, everything you put into it, you're the one that can reap the benefit of it only you not the team on the other hand if you screw up you get to reap that one as well and there's nobody else you can blame it on so yeah Absolutely. maybe talk some people out of this today tracy that might be a good goal too wouldn't it because i think a lot of people don't know what they're getting themselves into and it sounds great until you're in it and then you're like what was i thinking that's so true and and it's you know i think you really have to embrace who you are, you have to embrace, you know, that I work with personality styles. You really have to embrace your, your strengths, your weaknesses, your tendencies. You know, what, what do you tend to do to self-sabotage and what are you willing to work on and how committed are you willing to be to seeing this through? You, you can't go in half-hearted. You've got to go in full force. And, and when you have those down moments, you've got to be able to reach out to a Mac or somebody else who, who will, you know, help you get out of your own head. Uh, and hopefully that doesn't happen too often, but yeah. So you, you asked a minute ago, you know, the things that I'm doing now, yes, things are, have, have completely changed at, at this point. I'm doing a lot of work with helping people uh, get found on LinkedIn because you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are great, but people expect to do business on LinkedIn. And that has been, especially in these remote times, LinkedIn has been a great playground, a, a great forum for people to teach others something that they don't know or showcase their business. You know, so for your HR um, professionals who are struggling with how do I find top talent? Well, LinkedIn events could be a great place to establish rapport with others. And I'm not talking about through, you know, kind of meaningless little messages back and forth, but. I always find the Simon Sinek quotes are the ones that everybody just goes crazy over. I'm like, what the hell? Why is that so special? You know, you know I'm so with you, Mac. I think the whole, what is your why? That question like gives me anxiety. <laughs> 
makes me want to pivot to the bathroom and throw up in my mouth, you know? <laughs> <laughs> me too. I mean, he, he's definitely a brilliant person and, but it's so much pressure to what is your why? I mean, my goodness, well, I know my why until I'm standing next to God, hopefully someday. And, and then I can say, that's just so much. It's how about, how about today? Like, what do I want to do? Be known. What do I want to get done today? <laughs> what do I want this year to look like? What do I want? What do I want to feel good about, you know, having done or accomplished? What difference do I want to make right now in this season? And right now for me, it's helping people get found. It's help, helping people share the product, the service, the message that they provide so that others can decide if they want to partner with them or hire them or work for them. And then, you know, um, and then it's uh, how do you what is your rating on on online reviews? Can people, you know, when people Google, um, oh, I don't know, PR firms in Nashville is is your company coming up at the top of the list? You know, so. Wow. So I guess with a LinkedIn event, then that is the alternative to a infographic with a Simon Sinek or a Richard Branson quote on it. Right. So with that, what do you, is that sort of like a webinar thing you can do or how does that work? Yeah. So if, if people are good on camera and have something to teach others like you, Mac, with your, with the Boss Builders Academy and, you know, all, all of your HR trainings uh, that you offer, if you've, if you can teach people something that they want to know in maybe 30 minutes or maybe an hour, or it could be a whole day long event, whatever the virtual event is, then those are the type of people I, I want to work with. Um, so basically I create the, I help you create the event and I promote it. In other words, I'm bringing the people from your profile and other strategic partner profiles. In other words, other people on LinkedIn who say, yeah, Mac, you're doing this live event. I want to help. I'll help you bring people to it. Let me know what I can do. So I'll fill the room. So for example, I might invite 4,000 people to a live event. You might end up with a thousand people who have registered for that topic. And you might end up with 350 people on the call. That's an example of some of my bigger clients, but really if we take it a step back, you've got that 1000 people who registered for your event and said, I'm interested. Here's my first name, my last name, and my email. Mm-hmm. And LinkedIn will give you a download of, of their contact info, everything short of their phone number. So that actually is a pretty good platform for even somebody who's thinking about making the jump away from full-time employment to running their own business is using a service like LinkedIn events, right? Yes. And it's a free service. And, you know, so if you're, if you are that person who's thinking about leaving your, your job, what you could be doing right now is bolstering your own LinkedIn profile using the free search tools. Like, let's just say you're looking, uh, you want to start a business and you're looking to connect with small business owners. You can go to the top of the search in LinkedIn, type in small business owner, click on people, click on second degree connections, Choose the locations, San Diego, whatever, wherever you're looking uh, to connect with people and just start sending 100 invitations to connect with a little note to those people. 100 connections every week is what LinkedIn will let you do now. Start building your audience uh, so that when you do take the leap and you're switching your job title from whatever (laughs) to your new company, um, you've got your base of followers. 
So, so you could do this even before you decide you're going to make this leap, right? Yes. And if you, if you or someone on your team is looking to promote your current company or attract top talent or whatever, you could use LinkedIn events to add value to the, to, to your target audience, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's really not difficult. So that really answers a big question for people that want to start doing something. And how do I get the word out? And I guess unless your audience is not kind of a corporate audience, I guess LinkedIn would be the best way to do it then, right? I guess if you were something else, maybe, you know, fashion influence, you would probably use Instagram or something, but. You could, but you, and, and so the good thing is as you create a LinkedIn event, you're going to get a URL for people to register for that event. And you can add that to your Instagram account or Facebook or whatever, or an email list if you've got one. Um, but I do believe that people do get onto LinkedIn expecting to do business with others, expecting to find learning opportunities. It's just a more professional setting. I think I think LinkedIn or excuse me, Instagram, you know, they're looking for recipes and vacation spots and puppies and mm -hmm. things like that. But um, yeah, it's definitely good to get your feet wet with the with the LinkedIn events if and get your and if you're you know, so common objections. Oh, I'm not good on camera. Oh, I don't know how to sell. Well, we have to flip the question. We have to flip this, the narrative that we're telling ourselves. We can't, we can't tell ourselves, we can't say those things to, to our, to ourselves. We need to say, I'm learning too. I'm learning how to sell. I'm learning how to, you know, I'm practicing. I'm getting better at getting on video. I hated getting on video. I hate getting on video. I don't but your like videos it. are actually really good. You've got the music playing and you've got your dog in them sometimes. And you're, you know, they're funny videos but I watch them. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, but I'll tell you, it's, it's a heavy lift for, and not just because I've gained the COVID 15. <laughs> Hell I had the COVID 15 before COVID. So yeah, I didn't lose, I didn't gain anything. How's that? <laughs> yeah. You know, the, I think the bottom line is, are you happy? You know, are you happy with where you're at, with what you're doing? And if you're not, you're, you, you're going to make a choice whether to stay, stay in that place or, do something different. And, and oftentimes I'll, I'll get phone calls or people will hop onto my calendar just to have that conversation. Well, I guess, you know, even though people have made this choice, not everybody goes all the way with it, right? A lot of people do it for a while and say, you know what, I, I'm going to go take a corporate job again. In your experience, and I know probably the last two years are a bit of an anomaly, what do you suppose the percentages of people that get excited and start a business only to just tap out of it six months, a year, two years later? My sense is it's very high. I would say at least, I would say probably 85%. And maybe that's low. Wow. So 85% of the people that get excited, like many people will at the end of this podcast, will eventually return back to the very thing that they're trying to escape. Why do you suppose that is? Yeah. I mean, and I, I throw out such a high number because I'm basing it all from um, well, I'll take one example. I belong to a very large global coaching community that does a very good job at inspiring people to start their own leadership and personal development business. They have thousands of members, but the actual percentage of people who are making a six-figure income off from it is 
the last I heard, around 5%. Wow. Yeah, that is really low. It is low. And and I think I think the reason why people aren't able to make a go of it is they don't know how to how to start a business. Mm-hmm. Like you get all these resources. Okay, I've got this certification in X, Y, and Z, but I don't know how to start a business with it. I don't know how to make a one-page business plan. I don't know how to set goals. I don't know how to sell. Um, I haven't taken steps to learn how to sell. I haven't even read a book on sales or how to sell. Um, they're trying to, I'm just listing off reasons in, in my mind why why businesses fail. Uh, another reason, and I've, I've been guilty of all of these, they are trying to serve everyone, but they're really not serving anyone, <laughs> aka not making any money. Um, again, they don't have a sales system. Um, people aren't, you know, managing their time. They're not managing their money like a business owner. They're, you know, spending money before earning it, uh, giving up too soon is, is another huge one and, and doing, doing what other people think you should be doing. So it's not your dream. You're doing someone else's dream Two more partnering with someone else, partnering with the wrong person. Partnerships, in my opinion, are really, uh, tricky, tricky waters. And the last, the last one that I see, the one, this is one, one I, I don't like is because it just, it's such a bad habit and it's blaming other people, you know, oh, I, my business didn't fail because I got in with the wrong partner or people weren't buying my stuff or people are too lazy to take action on the advice I'm giving. There, we have to look in the mirror. And if you're going to be a business owner, the mirror is the first stop. Wow, that's powerful. Well, it seems like, you know, if we were looking at that three-legged stool model we talk about, to be successful, it, you really have to have the will leg in place. The, the skill and the focus come later. You didn't know much about anything when you started your business. You've learned as you went. I'm, I didn't know how to do a podcast. I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't know how to write a blog. I didn't know how to do art. I didn't know any of that stuff. But I knew what I wanted to do bad enough to make myself learn it and learn it well enough that I could teach it to others. Is that really what's required here? Should we yeah. just want that will leg and then we can add the skill and focus later? I think they, ha- they I think they have to happen all at the same time mm-hmm. because you hear people talk about, well, you just have to have enough passion. Well, passion's not going to pay the bills. No. Right. So that's where the focus and intentionality of okay, what's the next right thing that I need to do to get this business launched? Launched. How much money do I have in my bank account right now? How far is that going to get me? How much leeway, how much free runway do I have um, to learn, to regroup, to uh, hire a coach or whatever needs to happen? So uh, the focus on what do my finances look like? What is my launch date? What am I actually selling? Uh, what, and what do I need to learn? Mm-hmm. in order what skills do i need to learn same with you i needed to learn um my goodness you're right i really knew nothing about business ownership i i knew school leadership and that's it and i was good at that and um, another mistake i think people make and i made this one i assumed because i was a pretty good school leader that got some really good results i assumed that would translate into business and that i would therefore be a good business owner and no <laughs> So yeah, some things I guess are not transferable, but 
I guess what I want to do is encourage the person that what's holding them back as I say, oh, I could never do what Tracy does. I, I could never figure out LinkedIn. I barely know how to, you know, program the remote on my TV. You know, those things are all learnable and you've learned them. And someone had asked me the other day, they were interested in kind of doing what I'm doing. And they says, you know, did your master's degree help you? And I says, no, honestly, I pretty much faked my way through that thing because I was not interested in the slightest in that. But when I knew what I wanted to do, which is near the end of my master's, I just started reading everything I could get my eyes on. Every fast company magazine, training magazine, every single thing, educating myself. And then when you work with clients, you learn some new things. So it's not like you can just flip a switch and the knowledge will be there. It's all part of the journey. But that's why that will leg, I think, is so crucial, because when you want to quit because you think you don't know enough, the will leg says, OK. And that's very different than just jump out of the nest and your wings are going to grow on the way down to the tar pit where you're going to fall, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, remind <laughs> me never to give that advice. That, that... <laughs> I can't imagine that advice ever coming out of your mouth. <laughs> mm -mm. No, <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's it's never giving up. And, and you know, no can be your friend. And that's that's been a, a learning curve for me who tends to want to say yes to everyone and want to be, and I'm a helper and a supporter and that's part of my makeup and learning to take a step back and say, well, let me think about that. And, and I'll get back to you on, you know, whether I can fit that into my schedule or not. And, you know, I have, here's a great example. I had someone, so this person with a very strong personality called me as a referral earlier last week or late last week and said, I want to do LinkedIn events with you. And I want you to invite all of your real estate friends to come to a, a, a LinkedIn live event and I will come and present to them. And I'm like, well, that's not my business model mm -hmm. because you know, that's not my business model, but this is what I, this is what I can do for you. So whereas the old me would have been like, okay, sure. I'll do that. <laughs> so, Anyway, boundaries. But, that, but you know, that that's an interesting point because you have chalked it up to I'm a, you know, I'm a very nurturing, pleasing person. But what about the temptation to take on work because you flat out can't pay the bills? I mean, is that is that where you could get into this habit of saying yes to everything? That's a great question. Yeah. And I've certainly been there, too. You know, there there are a couple projects I've got on my plate right now that I do not enjoy. I <laughs> do not enjoy um, and really, it's people that I've taken on as clients that it's um, not as fulfilling as I had hoped. <laughs> but but that's OK. The, the question there is, what am I learning from this? And what I'm learning from it is I need to ask different questions as I take on new clients. Yeah. And there's actually when you get to the point, I've discovered this, too. I did this just yesterday. I got an email, somebody saying, hey, you know, can you do this? And it was uh, I forget what it was, something around in, EEO compliance or something. The old me, I'd say 10 years ago, would have said, yeah, I can do that. Of course I can do that. And then I would create the content and do that. And now I'm like, nah, but I do know the perfect person who could do that. And that's the other benefit of having a strong network. You can always refer people, but it, you know what? It felt really good to just say no. Because if I said yes, I would then, as soon as I sent the email saying, damn it, why did I do that? Why did I, I knew I shouldn't have said yes, but here we go. Boy, I lived that life for a very long time. And that is can almost be as miserable as a day job 
And so, yeah, that's, uh, but that's where I think you have to have someone who can come alongside you and kind of guide you through those discussions. And you do that kind of work too, don't you? Yes. Yes, I do. And, and, and that's one of the hardest things as a business, as a new business owner is identifying the exact problems I solve, problems I don't solve and who I solve them for and going super deep on what that person, who that person is, you know, where, where do they live? What, what experience do they have? Uh, what are they listening to? Um, Oh my goodness, there are like 20 questions that I ask um, people to really dig deep into as they're identifying that ideal client avatar. And for the and I've lived this and it's very frustrating. I totally get it. If people don't take the time to really identify all the qualities that are important in that person, you end up working with the wrong company, the wrong client. And yes, it is a hundred it is a it is just like working in that old job that we were trying to get away from. Yes. That yeah. same type of stress. Except you're the boss that you got to say no to, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And you will always be like, well, I find I'm the worst boss I've ever worked for. Oh yeah. I'm the laziest boss I've ever worked for. I know that much for a fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a whole new appreciation for the people who used to work for me now that I work for <laughs> Well, what I love about that, Tracy, you know, when you come alongside uh, an aspiring business owner, you're not preaching from academia, right? You're not a theorist. You're not saying, well, this is how it tends to work for people. You are the person. And that to me is worth far more than someone who understands their theory. So, you know, for the audience who's listening today and who realizes, okay, you know, I was thinking about quitting my boss. And after hearing Tracy, I think I'm going to stick it out for a while because I don't think I'm ready for that right now. There's going to be others, especially dating in the podcast, which is the day before Thanksgiving 2021. We're within a, you know, we're in, within sight of 2022. This is where people are really starting to say, OK, I really think 2022. Surely COVID's got to be waning by then. Surely the economy is going to pick up. This is the best possible time for that person. How can they reach out to you, Tracy, for you to be able to share all of those scars that you've gotten on this journey to where now you are in a very good place? You're the one they need to talk to. How can they reach you? You know, I, I listened to a podcast by the author of the book Dream Big, Bob Goff, and he actually leaves his phone. He writes, he puts his phone number in the back of the book and encourages people to call him. And I like that strategy. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you my phone number and your listeners can call me or text me. Okay. And that really is going to be the best way to reach out to me. So my phone number is 315-212-8187. Wow. So you're just yeah. going to give us your personal phone number. Yes. The phone's probably blowing up. Well, it's not now because we're, we're recording this, but if it was live, <laughs> I bet the phone would be lighting up right now. Yes. So, so you have made yourself available. People can engage you. They can figure out how best they can work with you. And, you know, you, you've made your case today, Tracy, that this is something that we all have access to be able to do. Only a certain few are going to survive this journey. The ones who survive the journey will never have worked more hard than they are now, but they will never be more satisfied than they could possibly imagine. 
And for the rest, just realize too, that just because you're not wired for this doesn't mean that your fit is not out there somewhere. It's not about staying in a miserable situation or a miserable relationship, but it's being very, I guess, taking it very seriously where you want to be and not just saying, Hey, I'm sick of my boss. I'm quitting today and I'm starting my business tomorrow. Um, that has the possibility to not end very well. So you've got a different approach. If you're listening to this today, I do want to encourage you to talk to Tracy because I've known Tracy a while. I've seen Tracy today when she's, you know, on top of the clouds. I've seen Tracy, you know, I didn't see her, but I talked to her in the parking lot of Subway. So um, I've seen her at both sides of it. She's the real deal. And you would be very wise to call that number. What's that number again, Tracy? It's 315-212-8187. Or for those who are way more on the reserve side, look me up on LinkedIn. It's Tracy Davison with no D in the middle of Davison. Not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. And for people who don't know this, your smartphone actually makes calls. So you just hit the little thing. It looks like a phone on your iPhone and then you could call Tracy. So you could try that as well. Tracy, listen, thank you so much for spending some time with us today before the holiday. We really appreciate it. And if you're listening, please reach out to Tracy. Tracy, thanks so much. Thank you, Mac. Always a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well. <laughs>